Alright, partner. Keep on rolling, baby. You know what time it is. Welcome to episode 56 of Formidable Opponents, a show that pits three people who have known each other virtually their entire lives in a series of conversations as we argue what is best in a variety of fun, engaging, and critical pop culture topics we all debate about. I'm Randall, and with me as always, Bob and Joseph, and today's topic is Best 2000s Rock Song. As the 90s put away their plaid and misanthropy... The 2000s rock scene emerged with a variety of sounds that both blended and redefined the rock scene. While some bands leaned heavily into pop rock, many carved out a new pathway attempting to bring rock back to prominence. By the late 90s, Billboard had given up on rock. Other than the perennial mainstays like Metallica, Aerosmith, the Foo Fighters, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, rock was in a malaise of post-grunge blues. With the music mainstream both clinging to the last morsels of monoculture and focused on boy bands and teeny bopper acts, the time to reinvent was now. Enter new metal. Enter pop punk. We were all but doomed hanging by the seat of our shiny back pocket bedazzled skinny jeans. Alas, there was still hope as the aforementioned musical genre abominations were flanked by some solid post-punk and mainstream hard rock acts who, despite being remnants from the prior decade, they created some of the most important rock music of the era. Some may say they salvaged rock at a time when it wasn't at its apotheosis. It's fun to look back at this era. And even though rock was thought of long being past its cultural zenith, we feel that as time goes by, these bands will be more and more appreciated. Just like Alan Iverson. This week, Formidable Opponents debates best 2000s rock song. As always, we are joined by two guys who love corn. One the band, the other the vegetable. Bob and Joseph, how are you guys doing? Elote. 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 <laughs> Spanish word of the day. Elote. Corns. Elote. <laughs> What's up, man? What's up? What's going, What's going on, everybody? I What's thought you were going to say hanging by a moment here with you for there or something like that. Uh -huh. <laughs> we're hanging and hanging. What's going on, bud? Everybody's doing good. Everybody's having a fun time. This is a real trip down memory lane as far as uh, sure. high school uh, for us, for for Bob and I. I know it, uh, it's not for Randy, but for Randy, 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 not my, not, my not second or third job for this one. <laughs> yeah. But you know, great. Just, you know, a lot, and a lot of these songs reminded me of certain points, girlfriends, uh, girlfriends <laughs> mainly, mainly a lot of, uh, cause we played, uh, high school football in Texas. If you want to know anything about high school football in Texas, just watch varsity blues. It's pretty much, <laughs> it's, it, but, uh, all these songs, cause a lot of these songs we listen to when we were either lifting weights or just trying to get ourselves ready to, you know, psyched up for games. So there's, there's that aspect to it. And then just, um, some of my, my first and the earliest concerts were in the two thousands, um, seeing Deftones, my first concert, uh, so it was, it was just a lot of fun to to go back and listen to these songs. And, you know, this is I, we're going to talk about this this uh, decade of music. And I believe it's highly underrated and, and, and very looked at as just one thing in general. And, it, and it's so much more. Uh, what about you, Bob? I thought you're gonna, is that finger 11's one thing all for one thing <laughs> um sorry i'm gonna be doing that all night yeah i agree i think this is a really underrated decade of rock music man you had a lot of different genres 
Uh, I know we said this a lot about 90s music, how 90s wasn't just grunge, that it evolved into this alternative and all these different genres of music. We're going to see the same thing here in the early 2000s, that a lot of the late 90s kickoffs, like our Randy's favorite, uh, Limp Biscuit and, oh, and you know, Korn and the Deftones, a lot of these these new metal post-punk type of bands started in the late 90s and kind of evolved and got better as as the 2000s started and as a decade kicked off so there's a lot of really great music and as joseph mentioned it was during our high school years we we did kind of kind of prefer that little upbeat type of maybe a metal or harder rock type of music and we see that a lot of these songs especially a lot of the ones we're going to mention in our honorable mentions uh kind of fit this mold it was a really I'm not going to say it was great. I always mentioned that the 70s were the greatest decade of rock and roll. 60s, very close. 90s, very close. Uh, the 80s in the in the 2000s, 2000s kind of fit, kind of, kind of swim around, you know, towards the bottom of the barrel. But this decade of rock has got a lot of surprises. We, we got Joseph's first concert was the Deftones. What was your first concert? Oh, Collective Soul. Collective Soul? <laughs> okay. Collective Soul. So that he got my- pissed off because somebody threw a bottle on stage. He stopped the whole concert. We're going to do this song over. We're going to have a good time. <laughs> I saw yeah. uh, I saw Collective Soul way past their prime, and uh, yeah, they were still pretty good though. I didn't know the lead singer was like five foot three, but I mean, other than that, <laughs> they were they were a fun band to watch. I had one question I wanted to start off with, but I'm gonna back end it to the second question because you guys brought up a good point. So everyone has a window of time for their era of music. I think for most people, and you guys could agree or disagree, I think it's that 14 to 24-year-old age range. Uh, So this was the tail end for me. I mean, I do have some good memories. I've attended concerts with both of you. But just like Lauren Michael said, everybody's favorite SNL cast member is the cast member that was on SNL during your high school years. Is that true for the rock music? Is that why you guys are so... Because we had a lot of debates sort of via text and, and off uh, off the show about the music of this era. Do you guys agree? Hey, it's like that 14, 24-year-old age range. That's why we're so dedicated to this era of music. I don't know. I don't, I don't see that. Because again, again, this is... Uh, my favorite decade of rock music was the 70s, so I kind of don't feel like I fit in this mold or this category. Maybe Joseph feels differently, but yeah, I do appreciate a lot of the music because it was during my high school years, but even in high school, I was still jamming to Pink Floyd and Zeppelin like twenty four seven. Besides, you know, uh, you know, Stained and Deftones and Three Days Grace and shit like that. I, I don't want to agree, but I, I have to to an extent because, like, uh, like you, like I mentioned, like you said, like you pointed out, uh, my first live show was seeing the Deftones uh, in. Like I think, uh, what was it? Freshman year in high school? So, uh, no, we were or sophomore. Uh, sophomore year in high sophomore? school. Sophomore. I think. So what, sophomore, what year was that, Joseph? No, it had to be in no two thousand, two thousand one, early. Yeah, so we were sophomores. Yeah, okay. you know, uh, so I, there, there is a, a huge association with this music with, with for me with high school. But like Bob, uh, maybe not as much as him because he he points to the seventies as, as being his favorite. Or uh, you know, t- to answer that question, I. At this point, I mean, I'm always, we, we always talk about how we love the 90s. We are constantly listening to 90s music uh, nonstop. We don't always put on 2000 mixes, you know, when we're hanging out. For me, this this decade or this genre, all this, these bands, you know, the, the honorable mentions we're going to mention. I said that twice. It sounds weird. <laughs> I think I look at them as a stepping stone to what I listen to now. Maybe that's why I enjoy them so much because they kind of just kept leading me down, you know, the rabbit hole of, of metal and hard rock music and to where I'm at now. I just, I guess... I don't know. I kind of want to say yes, but at the same time, I I don't want to say that because, we, like I said, we talk about the 90s a lot. And 
I like what I'm listening to nowadays. So your mind's telling no, but your body's telling you yes. <laughs> uh, I, I I completely disagree with you on that because I honestly think that after 2010, or as the 2000s have gone on, rock music has definitely hit a major decline, and I haven't liked a lot of the new shit that they post uh, that people have put out. I think that not to say it's uh, you know it's it's apex or whatever, but rock music hit a certain point where everything just kind of went down the drain. I don't know if it's 2008, 2009, uh, 2010, around that time where just music in general for rock, I think it became very like pop and hip hop uh, centric in like that became very commercial. So I think rock music had a major decline after that point in time. It's, it's so declined, Bob, that I got to share a memory with you guys. My wife and I, we were cleaning up the house and she had music playing in the background. And I was kind of like, hey, this is pretty good. I go, this sounds like Pink Floyd. And I asked her, who is this? And she said, Harry Styles. And I was like, oh, shit. What the fuck is wrong with me? I was like, never mind. There, you know, I, I guess while reading Teen Vogue. <laughs> I, I can agree with that, Bob. Like uh, there, uh, like you, there, I there isn't a lot of like, like new new rock. <laughs> there isn't a lot of new rock nowadays, like regular rock that I'm really into. Aside from maybe a, two, a few noticeable bands, I'd love for people to to listen to and check them out. Uh, Stellar Circuits and a band called The Post War. These are t- two fairly new recent bands that I'm that I'm really into. That I think both of you all would really enjoy. They're not you know the heavy metal that I listen to, the death metal, the you know the that stuff and they actually kind of remind me of stuff from the 90s and i guess that's kind of like where we're at like or or when we when we get into these you know nostalgia debates music sounding like how what we used to listen to back then i really think uh people will like those but yeah i i agree with 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 you on that part bob like i'm i'm really not into i can't listen to my local radio station anymore uh, I really can't because I'm not going to enjoy what's being played. So I'm always, you know, uh, serious turbo, you know, the which turbo is basically a, 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 a turbo is a I'm radio not a big station. Fan of, I'm not a big fan of Octane, but turbo I'll jam too. Yeah, I don't listen to Octane very much either because I think that's kind of like what's happening now. So turbo is basically a playlist of all of what we're going to talk about today. And then, of course, I listen to liquid uh, liquid metal. So. You know, <laughs> Turbo and Octane on Sirius XM. By the way, if anybody else, if anybody is wondering, my first concert, 1985, Huey Lewis in the news. So it just goes <laughs> to show how different this debate's going to be on, on these on these songs. Let, but let did me- you have a sports coat with the sleeves rolled up? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but I stayed up way past my bedtime. And that's the power of love. All right. So I want my next question is, and this is a debate we've been having for a long time now, Limp Biscuit. Terrible rock. I think one of the worst rock bands of all time. And let me tell you, you why. Are so okay, fucking. Let me tell you. Like, <laughs> I you can see jo- Joseph just got up and threw his dog across the room. <laughs> okay, go I, ahead. Go ahead. I, okay, I was trying to prep for this. So, in fairness, I was listening to bands. You're just that- lucky I didn't pick like my limb biscuits. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I listened to two songs. I got through two. I got through Nookie. You know, and I got to. I got to. I started listening to Rolling, and I got to the part where he shouts, "If you don't." Don't care we don't care and i just i just didn't care i just i turned it off horrible lyrics uh and and i want to read like and there's like a mo there are websites dedicated to how bad some of their lyrics are this is from break stuff it's just one of those days feeling like a freight train first one to complain leaves with a blood stain there are more substantial lyrics and sean michaels i'm just a sexy boy i'm not your boy toy wrestling entrance music i just think limp biscuit is it was a fad it lasted about four years I just thought they were no talent hacks and defend them guys. Cause I thought they were horrible. 
I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to let Joseph defend him because Joseph's a bigger fan than I am. <laughs> if you think that they have, I'm surprised that you think that they have terrible lyrics, considering you grew up in the 80s and the fucking abomination of shitty lyrics. <laughs> Sunglasses at night are on. <laughs> some of the fucking biggest songs and some of the worst lyrics of all time in the 80s. But I'm just going to leave that at there. Joseph, flip your hat backwards. <laughs> go go listen to Break My Stride. You can't, you can't write shit like that. Anymore. You can't say it like that and be like, but Godsmack, I mean, Godsmack had some great songs and some great, they're terrible lyrics too. You, you mentioned Break Stuff, which is really, and from Break Stuff and beyond, let's just say that. From Break Stuff to uh, the next album, Chocolate Starfish and Hot Dog Flavored Water, you can't talk about Nookie, technically. You can't talk about Rearrange or In Together Now. You can't talk about anything from $3 Bill because these albums came out in the 90s, sir. So the, And although Significant Other was released in 1999, Break Stuff was released as a single in February of, of, of 2000. First off, lawyered. Um, <laughs> but on Significant Other, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's your preference, like I said. And there's going to be a lot of that. There's going to be, hey, there's a lot of music that you like that I don't like. And that's cool. I think that you don't give these guys as much credit as they do, considering the fact that, you know, they had some collaborations with some legit artists, people that maybe they've done a song with Snoop Dogg. They've done a song with with, uh, Method Man. They've done songs with uh, with Scott Weiland. I know you. The lyrics can be maybe a little, you know. At some point, I I think that um in the two thousands, maybe that that next album, Chocolate uh, Starfish. Starfish, they were kind of just maybe phoning it in. I think the first album has a lot of like, although you may not realize it, and the songs may not fit your palate, the lyrics on the first album are pretty deep, and I think Fred you know, wrote some pretty deep shit at some point in his life. And then I think, yeah, at some point he started to just like, fuck it, we're partying, we're famous, we're, you know, we're Limp Bizkit. And yeah, you start doing what you said, you know, phoning it in. If you don't care, then we don't care. Just kind of rhyming the same, you know, word twice. I still fucking like it. It's still fucking good. (laughs) I still wanted to jam that shit, you know? And I can't can't not say that I didn't. (laughs) In defense of your defense... I would think that, okay, I know that when you were in high school, Limp Bizkit was a, a, a big rock band. And I know they opened the Pandora's box for new metal. Did they do it the best? No. But I think they started that genre and they helped to popularize it because they were the only new, one of the only new metal bands that were getting uh, a lot of mainstream play and a lot of mainstream cred. And I think that, in fairness to you, when I listen to some bands that I hated in high school, and I know you didn't hate Limp Bizkit in high school, but when I listen to like when I listen to Spin Doctors or when I listen to Four Non Blondes, bands that I did not like to listen to in high school, I could appreciate them now. They do take me back to a simpler time and to a place that I remember very fondly. So, in your defense, I get it and I understand, and I think in that. For that point, I get what you're saying. But, Bob, you were going to say something? I think Joseph had a good point. Limp Bizkit was really good, and it was kind of the trendsetter them and Korn at the very beginning of this new metal type of rock rap kind of mix in the late 90s leading into the 2000s. But, again, I think that they kind of had a, a tipping point when after you know the, the Chocolate Starfish album where they started tilting downward. And the next album after that, I really didn't care for. And the next album after that, even more so. So... I wouldn't call myself a big fan, but I was a fan of the earlier shit, man. I really did like, I, I thought, I know you hate the cover of Faith, but I thought it was cool for what it was. You know what I mean? Um, I, uh, I also liked, I liked Nookie. I thought that was a good one. Rolling is kind of dumb, but it's also kind of catchy. You know what I mean? But 
I'm I'm not a huge fan, but I I can see where somebody would be like, oh, they, they were a cool little rock band from when we were younger. I I just don't think they had the success going forward. Like I guess maybe Fred, like you were saying, just maybe Fred just started saying like, fuck it, I'm a millionaire now, multi-millionaire now, millionaire now. Like I can kind of just you know throw shit together. I kind of and, and I'm gonna try to do this quickly because I don't I don't I don't want us to spend like fucking thirty minutes talking about Limbiscuit. I know. Uh, God although damn it, we could right? we wait, wait uh, too long already. <laughs> no, we can't. Uh, we can't. We can't. Uh, I I I think that yeah, like I said what I, what I said about the chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water album. I it's personally not one of my favorites, but there are two really really great songs off of that album. Boiler being one and Hold On, a song that they did a second uh, collaboration with Scott Weiland, and I just think that song is fucking awesome, and it's mainly probably because of Scott Weiland but later, uh, like Bob mentioned the, the album after, and I think what happened with that album is like I said, they kind of just, it just, I don't know, maybe they just fucking phoned it in. Uh, after that album their their amazing guitar player Wes Borland left the band and then they went and did Results May Vary without him. I mentioned in, in text message earlier this week that I thought Results May Vary was very, very highly underrated album i thought there's so many great songs off of that album and i thought you know the lyrics i think were very personal and maybe it was it's considered not very it's it's considered a commercial a commercial um failure it's it's not as successful as the other ones and some people will attribute that to to the them not having west borland but i think it's because durst just started you know writing music real music to him at least for that one there's a song with snoop dog on that one so so he's so there's still going to be like the you know we got to do the catchy single but there a lot of the songs on that album are very very personal and i just think it's it's very underrated and i don't consider corn new metal a lot their early start and success was was established in the 90s yeah uh, their untouchables album came out in 2002 so that's probably where we're, you know we're going on i had i had a mandela effect with corn because i could have swore i could have sworn adidas came out when i was in high school 94 95 it came out in 97 but i swore i heard it in high school it turns out the only corn i remembered from high school was the corn they served with the square pizza and the milk but i mean corn, <laughs> what did they think what did they think that corn and pizza went so well together i never got that that connection but we're, we're going to talk about new metal a, a little bit more extensively in a minute, guys. So I want to ask you guys this. It's safe to say this wasn't the best era for rock. And I'm going to ask you guys why wasn't it. But before I ask you that, I want to make my points and see if you guys agree or see if you guys want to add on. Because you know it's not the best era when somebody asks you, sing the rock line you remember most. And your answer is, let the bodies hit the floor. So, I mean, that, that <laughs> just defines that. So there's no defining bands uh, that, like the 80s rock had Metallica, GNR, 90s had Nirvana. Nirvana and Pearl Jam, early 90s. Late 90s had Foo Fighters and Green Day. And who were the signature 2000s, 2000 flagship bands? What do you guys think? Why wasn't this era bigger than it was when it's coming off the 90s, coming off post-grunge, coming off punk? Why wasn't this a bigger era for rock music? I think we saw a lot of one-hit wonders take place in the early 2000s. We saw a lot of great rock songs. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of these bands, too, their second album just wouldn't hit or their... Second, they didn't have a second single. Uh, we're gonna name a lot of songs, and I think you're you're definitely wrong. There is a lot of great bands that were that you can think of. I think of it's been a while. You say, oh, what's the what's the opening lyric? It's been a while. I think of Stained. I think of Kings of Leon. I think of the White Stripes. I think of uh, Slipknot, uh, System of a Down, the Deftones. There's a lot of really great bands that had major hits in the early 2000s. So I think you're way off base when it comes to. Why it was the worst decade. I don't think it's the worst decade of rock. I think 2010 and beyond has been shit when it comes to rock. 
but I think this one actually had a lot of hits. I think we're missing out. I think we're trying to think like, oh, there is no definitive you no know, band because everybody kind of looked the same. There was no gimmicky bands. There was no guys wearing face paint. There was no guys in green cardigans, you know, uh, talking about their girlfriend's vaginas. There was no... Uh, Who's that? You know, <laughs> oh, that's Kurt Cobain <laughs> and Heart-Shaped Box. Uh, I'm very... I, I can't believe that you're like, oh, in the 80s we had Metallica was the best. I think Metallica got better through the 90s. I'm kind of pissed man. off that you mentioned Pearl Jam. Oh, we had Pearl Jam. One of the greatest. <laughs> their shit. You can't even understand that guy sing. So They've been around for 30 years. There's a lot of bands that have been around for over 30 years. It doesn't make them great. I'm not going to call it the, the best era of rock, but I, I really don't no, think no, that no. it's... Randy said that it's, it's the worst. I didn't no, no. say it's the worst. I said it's one of the worst. I said it I doesn't I don't, give, we don't give it the dap that we do with the 90s and 80s and 70s rock. And I think you guys would... Maybe it's recency bias or unbiased, but a lot of people don't talk about the 2000s like it was a great decade of rock. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm just saying we don't talk about it as I, if I, it were. I think that that it's because of the the new metal label uh-huh. when people think about this 2000s rock their their thoughts immediately go to or historians or reviews or whatever you want to call it people that do this shit people that write in in magazines their immediate thoughts go to a limp biscuit and they use that as the poster child for 2000 rock and and it's it's wrong to do that it really is like yes i love that i love that band i still listen to that band a lot of bands like that there were a ton of bands like that that you don't even fucking know and maybe that's why there was a set uh, maybe it was oversaturated because you had the the bands that were big like a Biscuit, like a lincoln park and then you had a bunch of other ones that weren't like they just want to point to that one thing like it's fucking the biscuit it's the limp biscuit era and it's not there's so much more can we can maybe y'all can agree or disagree with this can we agree i mean can y'all agree that this was the the point in time in mtv where the music video started to die out and the teen mom and all these yeah. reality tv shows kind of took over so i think they were put at a disadvantage i mean in the 80s the music video was everything in the 90s music videos were still extremely popular maybe not as much in the 80s but still pretty up there in the 2000s the decline in the music video because of MTV's choice in a rerouting of of what they wanted to do. You know, we weren't going to hear Tool or Slipknot on fucking TRL. We no. weren't going to see. There was, there was a lot of different. We got a lot of know, corn. Yeah, there was a lot of reality shows and stuff. And MTV kind of did a 180 as far as music television. So I think the decline in the music video may have had a big factor in why rock music may have took in, uh, or, or, or hit like a, in a slowdown in popularity. I had a conversation with my pal Alex, who's, by the way, his favorite 2000s rock song is Papa Roach's Last Resort. So despite that, he made some good points. <laughs> All right. He, he had mentioned there was no transition. There, he mentioned there was a transitional period where culture was changing. Uh, it was too hard to pin down a sound since nothing was really truly alternative at this point. Everything was meshed in. The rise of iTunes, hip hop completely took over. I think I agree with those points. I think the rock was not at the forefront anymore. MTV no, didn't it push rock. That- uh, radio stations didn't push rock. And that's good. And it, it wasn't. And I mean, I guess, man, and maybe that's why people point to it being not so great of a genre. Uh, hip hop and rap was 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 huge. And, and yeah, of course, we were listening to all that stuff, too. A lot of there was a big party scene in the early 2000s with uh, with the music other than rock that was going on. And I think that was a huge because that was a, a huge success. It kind of pushed rock down, too. And I guess like 
there's a bunch of factors that are going to come up and why people say that, you know, something like, well, it was the worst uh, decade of music. And, but I think it's, it's just, you know, maybe it was a perfect storm against them. Like Bob said, things like music videos, uh, the choice for, you know, MTV programming to show other things, but you know, who can say? I broke down the the genres on an article I read, an uh, article that was titled, We'll Carry On Examining the Legacy of Rock in the 2000s. And they broke down the 2000s rock into four categories. Can I get your opinions on some of these categories and just sort of quick lightning round? Okay, so your thoughts on new metal. And here's some bands below that they listed as new metal. Now, you guys might agree or disagree on where these bands were categorized. And you could you could say that in your answer. But for the sake of this article, uh, just so we could have all something to as a baseline, your thoughts on new metal: Corn, System of a Down, Lincoln Park, Deftones, Slipknot, Tool. What are your thoughts on these bands? Yeah, I figure. I figure that's that's like one of the better genres of the music in two thousands. Was that I guess you could label it as new metal, that hard rock. I love System of a Down and Deftones and Slipknot and Tool. Like those are some of my favorite ones. I think it's gonna. You have to clearly fucking define what new metal is because the only one of those bands that I would consider calling new metal is. Uh, out of that list, Lincoln Park, and you can add you can add uh, Limp Bizkit to that, but I don't consider Corn New Metal. I never considered System of Down New Metal, specifically the Deftones. That's one of my favorite fucking bands, and Slipknot's a, a just a heavy metal band in general, and Tool is yeah. a progressive rock. They also describe Limp Bizkit as New Metal, and, and I don't see that like you can't compare System of a Down or Slipknot to what the fuck Limp, Limp Bizkit does. Yeah, I would just call them heavy metal. They're metal bands. If that's what you want to call those bands, then then New Metal was fucking great. Yeah. Even though I don't consider them new metal. I think these bands are for people who like watching 3 a.m. Uh, diner fights on videos. Uh, these <laughs> bands were, are also for people who watch violent movies and say, it was okay, but The Passion of the Christ had more gore. But mm-hmm. you know what? Great music. I do like the Deftones. I do like Tool. Slipknot, Linkin Park, System of a Down, a little lower on my uh, my opinion. But yeah, I, I think, well, they, they hit us perfectly because we're athletes at that point that we've been in sports. Yeah. And like those are the type of songs you want to listen to when you're lifting weights while you're running or we're trying to get fired up for a game. I think they, they, they fit perfectly. They did and for us. Continuing you on this. We can't listen to Flock of Seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, your thoughts on your thoughts on your thoughts on post punk. These are the post punk bands the article listed: the White Stripes, the Strokes, the Killers, the Arctic Monkeys, the Black Keys. Yeah, see, this is where I have kind of a, a problem with the label here for post punk. You know, you talk about the Strokes, the White Stripes, the Black Keys, this Wolf Mother, the Hives, uh, bands yes. like this. It's kind of like a 60s garage band revival type of music that I think personally, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them punk. I can see like you want to call Green Day post-punk. I mean, fuck that. That seems more like post-punk should be Green Day in the 90s and 2000s. That's post-punk. I don't really consider the Stripes or the Hives or the Strokes post-punk. They they give off more of a, a 60s garage band vibe to me. Totally agree. Uh, out of those bands that you listed, probably the only one I I don't know anything of is the Arctic Monkeys. I just it never. Great. I think I if if I did get introduced a song to them, I'd probably immediately said no. But yeah, like Bob said, <laughs> White Stripes, Strokes, Killers, Black Keys. These are all like those that that and then the other ones, garage rock band stuff. Like, you like know, sixties yeah, revival. Yeah, it was, man. It was great shit. Of- it was really awesome. I don't I, call I it post punk. 
I, I do like all these bands, and I did like that category. Calling it post-punk, you could call anything post-punk, right? Anything yeah, that came much. after the 80s. I like what, what Bob said about Green Day, though, real quick, though, because we're going to get into that next. Yeah, we're going to get into Green Day next. <laughs> so pop-punk. So Green Day, Weezer, Blink-182, Panic at the Disco, My Chemical Romance. And Joseph, I know you want to talk about Green Day. What I got here is that breaking out into the more radio-friendly mainstream do we hate that? I mean, because everybody felt like once Green Day, after Dookie, they became the world's punk band and they became big. I mean, but isn't, <laughs> isn't, isn't that the point of breaking into music is to sell records, is to sell out concerts, is to be radio friendly? I mean, because people start citing bands like Bad Religion, Dead Kennedys, Helmet, all these bands stayed underground, but Green Day busted out. And although some of their songs, like, I mean, maybe American Idiot or, or 21 Guns or Wake Me Up When September, maybe those songs aren't as good as anything that was on Dookie, even though they're more mature and they're more progressive and they had more money backing their albums. A lot of people felt like betrayed that Green Day became this well, yeah. uh, pop punk band. What do you guys think? Uh, I, uh, before Joseph gets to his point, because I know he had something to say, Acid Vicious, they acid. Oh, hey, man, you're the Sex Pistols made. The Hall of Fame, he was like, fuck the Hall of Fame. That's fucking punk right there, not <laughs> wake me up. When September being fucking, they commercialize their music way too much. And I don't want to say they sold out because, yeah, the point is to make money. If you're a musician, if you're this punk, this punk, that, yeah, eventually people grow up. But Jesus Christ, they're making music for 40 and 50 year old married couples with kids and divorcees. Yeah, who, who I buy I, records. Go ahead, <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> no, I mean, like Bob that, said, that punk. Yeah. I like what he said. You can call them uh, post-punk. Adult uh, pop-punk. No, no, no. You should call Green Day post-punk because that's uh-huh. exactly what they were after they, you know, what they became when they left the punk scene and became whatever it is you want to call it, punk, pop-punk. Pop, Obviously, I love the Dookie album. I was a fan of Insomniac album. Another great one. That came out in 95, though, Nimrod. I thought it was a good album, too, 97. It's when we started getting into their first album in the 2000s, Warning, you saw the shift. American Idiot, that album, big shift. Uh, I mean, American, what did American Idiot? And I cannot fucking stand Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I hate that <laughs> song. I hate that song. And and when September ends and Twenty One Guns, I fucking hate those songs. You know, I, I, I not the Green Day. The, you know, we knew the Dookie, the Nimrod, the and, and the. Uh, Insomniac, you know, and I agree. I agree a thousand percent with that, just But yeah, and I agree with Randy too. You're like, oh, you gotta, you gotta evolve, and you gotta grow up, and you know, they're seeking a forty year forty year olds buy records too. That's great, but why is he still wearing, you know, those cargo shorts <laughs> to his knees and fucking uh, uh, the the Chuck Taylors, you know, high tops with black socks and black island, and like, you know, okay, we'll evolve your style too. Don't just don't be acting like you're still a fucking punk eighteen year old kid that lives on his mom's couch. You know what I mean? What about what about the rest of these pop punk? And for me, guys, nothing wrong with these bands. But there's no. also there's also nothing wrong with mopeds either. There's nothing wrong with putting diet coke in your whiskey either. You just don't want people around to watch you enjoying these things. So what do you? <laughs> what's, what wrong, do you guys what's wrong with diet coke in your whiskey? <laughs> no, uh, I, I I like I, I think Blink One Eighty uh, Blink One Eighty Two is is awesome. They're probably yes. my favorite. Pop mm-hmm. punk. I can see that pop punk being the label or post punk being the label for them. That's that's cool with me. Weezer's great. Love Weezer. Panic at the Disco. Not really my thing. I'm nope. not into top hats and you know circuses and shit like that. <laughs> uh, my Chemical Romance. They had Ghost of You. That's probably the the one yeah. song that I really really dig from this band. Uh, not my style, but that one song was really fucking good. It was it was more of a I think rock rather than that punky commercial you know eyeliner mm-hmm. type of thing that they were trying to do, which is cool. It's just not my thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, out of those, I'd I'd say 
Blink-182 was the top. And and this is, a, you know, they, I know early on in the career, it was more, you know, the songs kind of were, were a little bit, you know. They're always eh. juvenile, though. They were always Juvenile, very, but, yeah, but yeah. you know, that, that album that had. um, I like Juvenile, good rapper. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, I know they they later still had that song, yeah. but but there was a, one of their main albums uh, in the early two in the early two thousands had a lot of deep songs on it. It really did. The one that had like "Miss You" and and um, they were good. I I, I liked them. I like and this Miss is, You and Stay Together for the Kids. And, yeah, uh, I mean they had they they, they weren't so yeah. And then lastly, I think something we could all agree on: the mainstream rock bands, the Foo Fighters, the Velvet Revolvers, Coldplay, Audio Slave, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Radiohead. Did they help to sort of uh, form a baseline to keep that rock era decent? What do you guys think? You added Coldplay to mainstream rock, and I think they're very. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that you could call them mainstream rock and roll. I think their hardest song may be like that one spot in 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 Yellow. Uh, Yellow is a great that, song. Yeah. No, it's it a great is. song. But I think that might be their hardest song. I think everything else is very commercial, very pop rock. I don't know about mainstream rock, but very poppy. Yeah, we were fortunate enough to have the Food Fighters. Man, I love the Food Fighters. They had put on some. They had some great. Great, great music. What else did you say? Radiohead had colors, yeah. or what was it like? Colors and Rainbow. I forgot what the name of their album. Yeah, was. really fucking good. We had the Red Hot Chili Peppers kind of made a resurgence. We were me and Joseph were talking about that yeah. last night. We I think I think I think they were bigger in the two thousands than they were in the nineties. Yeah, too. I mean they the nineties they had. I mean you know because of the California funk. Yeah, they had that 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 funk and that different kind of music in the nineties that was catchy, but. I think it. I think it hit a little more home, and it, they were also a little more commercial in the two thousands. I think it fit the mold a little bit better. With Red Hot Chili, Red Hot Chili Peppers, it's it's. We talked about this. The California Cajun album came out in ninety nine. All of their singles were released in ninety nine, and that's a great fucking album, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it definitely. I guess if you want to say like, okay, so it's late ninety nine. It's hey, so. it, it. It clearly opened the door for them in the 2000s and like you mentioned Randy more successful more well known in the 2000s the next album by the way had had by the way the Zephyr song uh, can't stop I mean they it just it completely like like they Bob said it, yeah. resurgence you know it, it was a great it was a great situation for them I, I think at one point they had the Foo Fighters opening for them, and then later on they opened up for the Foo Fighters. I, I can't c- confirm that, but they were really big in the early 2000s. They toured with a lot of great bands like No Doubt. Red Hot Chili Peppers were everywhere. Let's go on to our honorable mentions. Joseph, who do you got? Whew, we are. This has been a discussion today. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, real, a good, real good episode. Yeah, let me, uh, so let me just run Don't rub your quick. hands. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll, we'll cut out the 30 minutes of you and Randy talking about Limp Bizkit. <laughs> I got uh, I got Met- I got uh, I got I disappear Metallica California Cajun Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, even though I just I think that was in '99 so I, I think I just well the album released in '99 but a lot of the singles were released in 2000 so so uh, I got Awake Godsmack Outside Stain Breakdown by Tantric It's been a while by Stain I probably I was thinking about picking that one and I probably should have uh, no have. but I, actually no I, I got I just I should have picked this one Judith by A Perfect Circle I really should have picked that song great fucking song. Thoughtless by Corn, Boiler and Hold On, like I mentioned by Limp Biscuit, great songs. The entire White Pony album by the Deftones, Paper Cut, Linkin Park, Aerial System of Down, People Equal Shit, Slipknot, Left Behind, Slipknot, <laughs> Schism by Tool and Vicarious by Tool, Drag You Down by Finger Eleven. I, I, I was, I at one point I was like, fuck, I just keep writing shit. I gotta stop. I'll just stop it right there. <laughs> the uh, so I mean, this is gonna be a list of mine too. I'm gonna have a lot. It's it's like the best songs, rock songs of the 2000s, also some of my favorites. I had Linkin Park, I had Crawling, I had Stain, It's Been a While, Kings of Leon, Sex on Fire, The Strokes, Last Night, 
Queens of the Stone Age. No one knows. Uh, I had Slipknot also. Duality, Spit It Out. Chevelle's Red. Hurts, Rapture. Three Doors Down, Kryptonite. Uh, Deftones Change. Three Days Grace, I Hate Everything About You. Uh, System wow. of a Down, Chop Suey. Default, Wasting My Time. That is a good song. And, and yes. Taproot's Poem. I had. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could oh, have yeah. written more. And I, I have a shitload. And, and somebody, hopefully somebody listening is like, yes, I remember that song. That was a great fucking song. One of the ones I mentioned. But yeah, Taproot's Poem Hurts. Uh, default, Wasting My Time. Some great, great songs, man. Some great songs. Another great default song was Deny. That's a yeah. that's another yeah. good song. It's one great. of those it's bands. Cool, cool yeah. music video, too. They yeah. could have gone into that mainstream rock category. Yeah, that we talked very about. underrated band. Uh, my list, I, I, I want to come back to um, Stained in a little bit, but I'll, I'll go through my list. All these things I've done by The Killers. Uh, I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor by The Arctic Monkeys. Joseph, you could start off by with that song. I think you'd like it. Uh, <laughs> right. Fell in Love with a Girl by White Stripes. Uh, like, yeah. a, like a Stone by Audio Slave. Hate to Say I Told You So by The Hives. All My Life, Foo Fighters. But that just sort of covers like 28 songs I wanted to list by the Foo yeah. Fighters. Uh, Hemorrhage by Fuel. Danny California by the Chili Peppers. This one you guys might roll your eyes at, but I did like The Middle by Jimmy Eat World. I thought it was a great pop. Oh, it's a good song. No, I rolled yeah. my eyes at Arctic Monkeys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I also no, got, Jimmy Eat World had a badass song. It was a good song. It was very were, catchy. A very sing-along, sing-song yeah, for sure, event. For sure. I, I, I'm, I with, it, like I'm with you on that one, buddy. Oh, cool, cool. All right, we got Change in the House of Flies by the Deftones. Down with a Sickness by Disturbed. Come on, nobody. did any of you guys mention Disturbed? Okay, okay. This is another band where I do not like Disturbed. So we're going to have to have this conversation. All right, let's do it right now. No, no, no. Okay, another time. All right, all right. Uh, the Fallen by Franz Ferdinand. Wish You Were Here by Incubus. By Incubus, I'm sorry. Uh, Polyamorous by Breaking Benjamin. I loved how the lead singer looked like a math tutor, but he could shout like a devil worshiper. Uh, <laughs> Stupid Girl by Cold. Witten, uh, oh, I didn't even mention yeah. Cold songs. That's Cold, written by... Uh, that's a sin. Joe's going to go and like, punch himself in the face yeah, right now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, written by Rivers Cuomo. Uh, Fly from the Inside by Shinedown. And then lastly, it's a 2010 song. I did like Ready to Start by uh, Arcade Fire. I had to mention it though. But what I, I do want to mention, guys, before we go on to our selection, Stained, it's been a while. I'm kind of on the fence for that one, but that was such a huge hit. It was. It was. Uh, it was. It was such a huge hit. So I'm not going to argue. I almost it, picked yeah. it. Yeah. yeah Stained, I almost picked it. Stained was one of those bands that quickly became one of my favorite bands when we were in high school, and it was because of Outside and because of Outside uh, yeah. Home, and, and and it's been a while. And uh, I, I was a, I was a fan of that band from the first. Yeah, album. that first Mud album Sho- has great Mud songs. Shovel, Mud Shovel, Home, uh, Excess uh, Baggage. Holy shit! That 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 album was amazing. So it's been a while. And was it their second album, Joseph? Yeah, first single a off huge, the second huge, album. I mean, just a fucking huge, amazing hit, and it kind of it, it was good. It was one with really good lyrics, really good beat. Uh, you should have picked it, Joseph. <laughs> I, I, re- I remember, despite what you guys think, that I was already on my fourth child by the 2000s. <laughs> I was, I was still, I was still in college. Uh, I, I took an extra year to finish. I was taking a summer class. We were doing a movie production class, and this one uh, young guy—he uh, must have been about 18, 19 years old. I was 23 at the time. He came in with a Stain CD, and it was the the one with uh, "It's Been a While," and he played it for us. And I thought, holy shit, this band's really good. Um, mm. But as as they progress, I don't know. Maybe it's the lead singer, uh, Aaron. Is it Taylor? Aaron Lewis. Aaron, Aaron Lewis, Lewis. Sorry, Aaron Lewis. I just I couldn't get into his his whole his personality. But I know you should separate, you know, art and artists and yeah. all that stuff. I, but, yeah, you, know, and you got I'm, to, I'm, man. I think you and got I'm not to. gonna. 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, like I don't agree. Like I know I'm sure you're gonna make it. Like I don't agree with his politics or anything. Like that. I don't. I fucking hate politics regardless because yeah. I think it's fucking stupid. But yeah, I think there is a certain point where you have to kind of separate the person from like the actor, like like the 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 character they're playing in a movie or the or the songs that they sing from what they're doing on the outside. Now, if they're like some serial rapist or a fucking child murderer, of course not, right? But if they're just they have some outlandish or, or out there ideologies or whatever, then you know that's their thing, man. But I try to keep them separate. I know it's it's kind of hard to do nowadays, but I I, tr- I try my best to keep them separate. Hey, man, Bro, that's yeah. cool. You 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 feel you feel you think you think what you think as long as it's not anything like fucking illegal or you know murdering or very very wrong (laughs) um but it's just it's just really weird to to see that person now and and think (laughs) like that's the same person that fucking wrote so many great songs that i listened to non-stop in the early 2000s that's that's the way i feel about hootie before we move on, I want to give a shout out to the girls at, at Turn of the Millennials Pod. I believe it was uh, Steffi that that made her uh, her pick, and she picked uh, "Paralyzer" by Finger Eleven. So we'll throw that one out there. Ah, that's a Thanks good song. Before we go on to our selections, let's talk a little bit about Athletic Greens. Our next, our partner for this episode has a product I literally use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because, and we were talking about this before we started the show. We we're all talking about our health and how we're getting older and how we got to change our diets and how we, you know, we're trying to get away from fast food. All of us here are, are trying to do something healthy to live a long and happy life. And I started taking Athletic Greens. Bob and Joseph shortly afterwards started take, taking Athletic Greens. And it's lifestyle friendly, everybody. And I've been losing weight. I was telling Bob I, I've lost uh, several pounds. I got on the scale, took off my early 2000s cargo shorts, and I was surprised at the weight <laughs> that I've lost. I took off my backwards cap too. Uh, and it's lifestyle friendly whether you eat uh, keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals. You don't want that in your drinks or artificial anything, and it still tastes good. It helps you sleep. It helps you recover. It supports mental clarity and alertness, It's and it costs less than $3 a day. So if you're investing in your health, it's cheaper than the cold brew habit. It's cheaper than pills, supplements, and you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. You could read the testimonials over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes, trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais, not Ricky Gervais, Michael Gervais. So check it out. It's easy. Athletic Greens will give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packets with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. That's E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So we're going on with our selections. So we'll start off with my selection. I went with Cochise by Audio Slave. Now the group that became a group after Audio Slave is the group that became a group after Rage Against the Machine replaced Zach De La Rocha with Soundgarden frontman Chris Cornell, the late great Chris Cornell. Really, you could have Chris Cornell front any rock band and they'd be successful. The song title Cochise was an Apache chief born in 1812. He was, and he was also a gang member with a lisp in the movie The Warriors. Okay. And according to audio slave guitarist Tom Morello, Cochise was the last great American Indian chief to die free and absolutely unconquered. He and his warriors drove out thousands of settlers. Cochise, the Avenger, fearless and resolute, attacked everything in his path with unbridled fury. This song kind of sounds like that. And I love that description by Tom Morello. I had to read it all. 
By the way, Tom Morello went to Harvard. Don't expect an explanation like that from Van Halen songs by David Lee Roth, okay? <laughs> the lyrics reflect that of someone wasting away and needing to save himself. And Cornell wrote this about someone in particular, himself. A lot of people listen to the lyrics and believe that it is Chris Cornell setting himself apart from Rage frontman Zach De La Rocha. And you could hear why with the lyrics. I'm not a martyr. I'm not a prophet. I won't preach to you. It does sound like a dig at Zach, who is known to be very preachy and who is always on his pulpit. I don't think that's the case. But if you want to interpret it that way, that's music, right? It, it makes the song more interesting. I know one of the criticisms is Cornell's voice. It wasn't as polished as his Soundgarden days. He's also older. I mean, age, smoking, drinking will do that to you. But even at 75% Cornell is a better frontman than 99% of the lead singers out there at this time. This song is a perfect mix of two amazing bands. You're getting two songs in one. Rage's sound with Cornell's voice and it's just a perfect blend, a perfect marriage. This song, when you first hear it, it kicks down your doors. It isn't defined by a time period because this song would have been huge in any decade and that's what I love most about it. It's not a 2000 song. It's a song that just happened to be released in the 2000s. You could release this in any decade. It's an overwhelming and mind-blowing contribution that kept our faith in rock at the time when we were losing grip to what it truly was. Guys, I want to wrap up by saying I think this song helped us to bridge that path to where the late 90s, we were losing a lot of rock fans. We are losing a lot of rock in the mainstream. And then when two big entities like Rage Against the Machine and Chris Cornell from Soundgarden joined together, they helped push rock to that edge. I think they inspired a lot of people. I think they were a flagship band for that era. And that's why I think this song was great because it was their first song. It was amazing. What do you guys think about this song? Before I get into my final thoughts, I remember when we, Dean Joseph was the one that told me about them collaborating and creating Audio Slave. And I remember being extremely excited about it because I was a big Rage Against the Machine fa uh, fan and also a huge, you know, Soundgarden fan, I mean, Chris Cornell fan. So this is like right up my alley. I was very, very excited about it. As far as it being the greatest 2000s rock song, I think it may have missed the mark just slightly a bit. I think for someone like you, the way you described it perfectly, that's exactly my argument uh, against it. 2000 Rock wasn't working for you. You just don't quite get it. So what am I going to do? I'm going to get a retread from the 90s, uh, add a little Audio Slave and some Soundgarden, and what do we get? Oh, this is the best band of the 2000s because they sound a lot like 90s rock. And I think that's more kind of like your forte. It's kind of more what you're into. So I, I don't feel like it was – actually, I really like – I love Kochi, but I, I like Like a Stone a whole lot more. If you had picked Like a Stone, I might have been like, oh, shit. That, that, that would have been a little bit uh, harder for me to argue against. But Kochi was a good song good start you know a little bit harder uh, uh, in in the rock genre and i really like that it's just it's just what bothers me is it it does have a lot of 90s influence and not that it bothers me but i think that i think that's why you went with it that's why you chose it because it's very 90s it's you know i mean shit who's gonna save the 2000s you know or who's gonna save you know 80s rock well let's just have pink floyd and and zeppelin go on a on a, on a, a, re, a reunion tour that'll fucking save rock music and i think that's the way kind of this feels hey let's get these two guys together maybe they could save rock and roll and they're playing a lot of stuff that's still it's kind of 2000 but it's a lot of 90s i don't know man I, I it's a great it's a great band it's a great song i just don't feel like it's the best or the greatest Rock song of the 2000s. Uh, I'm going to disagree a little bit with. with you're going to have so. to because of your picks. You're going to have to disagree. <laughs> yeah, <with you. laughs> um, but you know, you know, um, like yeah, I think um, I remember seeing this music video again. Going back to MTV playing music videos, it's probably late. I think it was late at night, and I might have mentioned this story before. <laughs> this video came on, 
and that opening is just uh you know some you know the drums and and some 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 guitar effects obviously when you learned that it was um, tom morello it made sense the video i remember being very you know dimly lit so there wasn't a lot to tell you who exactly it was when the song kicked in the thing i was like this is pretty fucking cool like this sounds badass I still didn't know who the hell it was because it was dim lit. But then you heard Chris Cornell's vo- voice and you were just and immediately you're I'm like, that's fucking Chris Cornell. I know that fucking voice. And I, I disagree with um with what people might say or or I, I don't think you it wasn't what you said, Randy. And I, I believe you you don't think that his voice wasn't as positive. I mean, it's Chris Cornell. I don't think I, I've never. OK, so he's a little bit older now. I don't think his voice has changed. His voice had changed very much at the time. I remember being really excited about this uh, because I believe Soundgarden had been dormant for a while. I don't hear a lot of like, like uh, to me, I, I don't hear the 90s like Bob does. Um, I think it's just signature for the most part, at least with this song, Rage Against the Machine. And how that was, how that, that marriage worked with Rage Against the Machine sound with Cornell's vocals is just crazy. I mean, it's it's. Kind of like you said, I, I, Chris Cornell can sing in anybody's band and he'll make them 10 times better. Uh, I never caught that that dig or the supposed dig from the lyrics. So I thought that was really interesting. I was like, no, I I, I mean, I know that there's a story that when he was uh, approached uh, to do this, that he, his immediate first um, stipulation was like, I, I'm not a political singer. I know what you all did. You know, I know we're no political songs. Like, I'm not going to do that. Um, so I guess now that I hear that story, I just don't think he's that type of person that would take that dig. I think he's maybe just telling the people, you know, hey, th- this is what we're going to be. This is who I am. And I'm not going to be, I can't be that person. So I don't take it as a dig. I just remember this song being so fucking awesome. I got really excited about it. Like I said, I was, excuse me, Soundgarden was dormant. So it was really nice to hear Cornell doing some stuff again. And like Bob said too, I was a big, you know, we were fans of Rage Against the Machine. So they had their own issues going on, but you know, it was a cool little marriage. Great, great fucking song. It's, it came out really early in the two thousands, I believe. So, but I don't think, and some people might argue with that. Cause there was like, a, 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 maybe not your thinking, Randy, that, you know, cause you kind of like don't look at this generation or this time period of music as having so many great songs, but, but I do. There's a lot of songs that we later that, you know, we, that came out later in the decade that that might you know take over this one and and like bob uh, i agree that like a stone is such a great fucking song i do think it's a little bit softer so i'm looking for more the the, the hard rock thing so i i particularly i i don't give that one i don't knock this song uh based on that um great pick man i i mean i was really excited when the song came out i was really i bought this album me- immediately i think like a stone to bob's point is the better song now, is it the better rock song? I know it's from a rock band. It's got the same elements, but it is a, more of a softer song. Uh, I think it's their signature song. When you think of Audio Slave, you're probably going to say Like a Stone as their first song because it is it is a better song. They were a little more polished, a little more established, and I think it was probably a, their highest charting song. I, I might be incorrect about that. I didn't go with Like a Stone because I just wanted something to kick the doors down. I mean, we're talking rock and we, and we listed all these bands that were very loud and very fast. What does Audio Slave provide in terms of that? I think they can do it, and they did it with Cochise, 
And Joseph, you had mentioned when you first heard this song, you immediately knew it was Chris Cornell. Be careful what you say with that, because one of my biggest music faux pas was when I heard Got You Where I Want You by The Flies, I asked a friend, have you heard this new Soundgarden song? It's really good. And he was like, that's not fucking Soundgarden. <laughs> even oh, sound my God. Like I, I can see exactly. that, though. I can see, I can see. I mean, I can see that. He could kind of hear it, but no, it's not Chris Cornell, no. That's yeah, not Chris. Chris Cornell is one of a kind. Rest uh, in peace. Just happy to to have him extend his career with with a great band. Uh, so up next we got Joseph. Who did you pick? Randy and I had maybe a similar uh, ideology on on a pick for the for this for this uh, topic. But uh, so you might hear some of the same arguments. Uh, unfortunately, uh, sorry for that. <laughs> I went with Slither by Velvet Revolver uh, from their debut album, Contraband, the second single off the album, actually, but without a doubt, the one that put them uh, on everybody's radar. The first single uh, called Set Me Free, a good song. It is a really good song, but ultimately not as memorable as, as Slither, I would say. It went on to top both the American Billboard mainstream rock and modern rock charts and win a Grammy in 2005 for best hard rock performance. Uh, Wyland stated that the, the lyrics are about a relationship uh, about just you know feeling not right in that situation so velvet revolver in, in case you don't know is is like, like similar to randy randy's pick uh, a super group comprised of members of, of guns and roses slash uh, duff mckeegan and matt sorum uh, along with scott wyland of stone temple pilots fame i don't remember how this song first got to me maybe how me yeah, that's what I was about to say. It might be the reverse with 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 uh, Kochi's yeah. me telling Bob about Audio Slave, uh, Bob telling me about about uh, Velvet Revolver. I, I I just remember thinking, how fucking cool is this? I've always been a fan of Slash, and and of course we've stated uh, uh, many times uh, our love for for SCP and, and Scott Weiland, and and I was fucking blown away uh the slow opening it got my attention wasn't sure where it was gonna go and then the opening you know fast-paced guitar part it, it gets your toe tapping your head banging it, it was perfect it was a really great blend of music at this point in, in music like we like we've said you, you mentioned early 2000 rock and everybody like i've like i said earlier is going to think new metal scene and and which was dominant and yes i don't care what anybody thinks about that this song was I think the anthem for maybe people like like you, Randy, like you kind of just mentioned. I'm not trying to put you in a corner here. Maybe this isn't your thinking, uh, but I know there's people out there. <laughs> I know there's people out there who who thought this way, who who didn't really dig the new stuff, the the you know the early 2000s uh, uh, rock that was coming out, and wanted things to say the same with uh, with music. And this was your song. This was like you said with yours, the bridge of two generations: the 90s grunge, the 90s heart. Uh, hard rock, the '90s alt rock, pushing forward and, and, and taking a chance uh, among the Limp Biscuits, the Corn, the Lincoln Park stuff. Uh, as a fan, it was really nice to hear Wyland doing music again. SCP was was broken up at the time, I believe. Uh, this song sonically, I think it's 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 great. It's a, a mix of rhythm, heavy guitars, pounding drums, and great vocals. It has a raw feel to it, and I love that. A sort of fuck it, let's jam attitude, and and I liked that a lot. Uh, it's the trademark song, I believe, from this band, uh, along with probably Fall to Pieces. Uh, I think, yeah. you know, maybe this one more so, I guess, because, you know, but again, it wasn't their first single. I read a lot about how some people didn't like want to accept uh, this because they looked at it like this isn't Guns N' Roses, Scott's No Axl Rose. And, and to that, I, I say, fuck you. I mean, <laughs> if, if Slash wanted another Axl Rose, 
he would have kept doing what music with him back then. I know, you know, they've mended fences and whatnot, but this wasn't supposed to be that. This, uh, this was, I feel, was a perfect situation for all members of the band and, and just really a really great fucking tune that that stood out amongst the pop punk the rock band the pop the, excuse me the pop punk the pop rock the the new metal the, the emo the screamo stuff you know and, and it just it that people still have that awesome you know rock concert experience you know listening to a song I, I found it funny when you were when you were talking about the detractors about how they were saying this isn't Guns N' Roses and this isn't Stone Temple Pilots. How you immediately gave them that Valley centric accent, like you know these were like you know gang members, like this isn't Guns N' Roses. What the? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a rocker. <laughs> so anyway, I, I this song makes me sad. I'm gonna tell you why. I look at Scott Weiland's career as such an up and down musical career and i think we and we all love him and this is not to be smirch or, or you know to to make fun of him because i love scott wyland but i'm also really pissed because i don't think he ever got it i think he had so much talent he had such a charisma and he was such a just a powerhouse on stage I don't think he ever understood what he was capable of because Stone Temple Pilots big, you know, they break up, here comes Velvet Revolver, they break up or whatever, Stone Temple Pilots back, he does his own thing by himself, he has another band, he does this Christmas album that's just so beautiful, and and he could sing like a crooner, he could sing rock, he could sing soft, dude could sing a phone book and, and we, we'd buy his album, but he, I don't think he ever understood the power he had. And I think the drugs overtook him. And this is not an episode for that. I understand that. But when, when you guys talk a lot about, you know, Velvet Revolver, Scott Weiler or Stone Temple Pilots, it always makes me feel just terrible about the career that he could have had. Cause he should have been bigger. And, and that's saying a lot. Cause he was big as, as far as the song goes, another powerful lead singer joining another powerful rock band. The lyrics are about a relationship. Can we agree that this was their this was their welcome to the jungle and Fall to Pieces was kind of like their sweet child of mine, I think. Uh, by selling 256,000 albums in its first four days, Contraband, the album that this song came from, became officially the fastest selling debut rock album by any artist in American chart history. For the members of Velvet Revolver, it was proof that they could succeed outside the previous band, Stone Temple Pilots and Guns N' Roses. I know we're focusing on a particular song here, but I think they sold all those albums Albums on the merit of their previous bands, but that's good because they they showed that they're not going to be a Guns N' Roses. They're not going to be, uh, you know, a Stone Temple Pilots. Slither was a great song, but it didn't just really kick down the doors for me. I think it didn't lead to a decade worth of prominence for this band. And they had great songs on this album: Fall to Pieces, Big Machine, Dirty Little Things, Headspace, Do It for the Kids, which I think is the most STP sounding song on the album. And by default, it's my favorite song on the album. The whole first album was it was no skips. It's one of the best pure rock albums, I think, of the decade. So I, I agree with you, Joseph, and I think it was kicked off by a great song. I don't think it was the best song on the album, but it was a very good intro song. But there was nothing after that, and although I like Slither. I think the song, if it was released in 1994, and there, and that's probably going to be the argument you make, you make against me that hey, you're holding on to the previous decade. You got to let it go and let things. <laughs> got to let it go, right. baby. <laughs> <laughs> if it was released in 94 instead of 2004, we'd be talking about Velvet Revolver as one of the greatest bands of all time, and maybe it was their publicity team or Wyland's drug problems. But the song came and went. It shouldn't have had, you know, it should have stayed, but it didn't stick to the decade like a great song would. And my last point i don't know why because it, it's a great song 
by a great rock band, but the difference between Audio Slave as a super band and Velvet Revolver as a super band is follow up and follow through. Audio Slave changed things up. They experimented more. Uh, they, you know, and Velvet Revolver was a project band with project songs and they could have been a lot bigger. And that first album sold a ton of records. It broke, it, it, it broke album sales. But they didn't follow through. And so when I hear Slither, I, I, I feel bad for Scott Weiland. I feel bad that the band didn't break out as big as it should. But it is a great song. Bob, what do you think? I think this is a – I think it's, uh, again, huge Weiland fan, huge Slash fan. I was really excited about this this you know, uh, this know marriage of, of bands and everything like that. And this song is fucking awesome, just like Audio Slaves Coaches is fucking awesome. But, again, if you're in your – Mid to late forties. This is probably right up your alley, rather than Slipknot, because this is very early, early nineties, very uh, sounding. Just like you know, just like I said with with Audio Slave, just like oh, you're you're going with Chris Cornell. It doesn't feel like it hits. It's not a two thousand style of song. You know what I mean? We had so many different little genres of music in the two thousands rock that we talked about, and this doesn't really fit the mold for either one of them, uh, for any of them. Just like Audio Slave doesn't really fit the mold for any of them. You could say Audio Slave. Oh, well, they were more exper- experimental. Yeah, because they had Tom Morello and guitar. You can't compare. Tom Morello and guitar had this crazy new style of playing guitar in his solos that very much fits the 2000s a lot more than you could say Slash, who definitely fit that 80s and 90s, you know, Sweet Child of Mine, you know, style of Gibson guitar. So uh, I think this one, again, it's hard to let go of something that you're very familiar with and something that you really, really love. And I think both of you kind of, I want. I don't want to say you fell into the trap, but both of you kind of love the '90s. You're really into the '90s, and these both had a very '90s quality to them. And uh, I, I can see why you picked them because they're great fucking songs. I just don't think that they're the best songs or rock song of the 2000s. Okay. Okay. No, no. I'll, I'll say that you know I I, I made this decision uh, based on what I felt and, and, and when going through this, I, I didn't make this decision based on, on my heart. And if I had to do that, it probably would have been like, it probably would have been people equal shit. By Always lock, lock, yeah. I, 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 honestly, I honestly thought before we go on to Bob's pick, I, I was surprised by this pick Joseph, because yeah, uh, you know, your, your disdain for Guns N' Roses, but also your... Not um, for Axel. That for I made Axel, that, okay, I want, I'm sorry, Axel. I want to make that clear. Right. I said I was a fan. I've always been a fan of Slash, the musician. And, and uh, hey, those are good. Guns hey. N' Roses songs are are good rock songs. I just particularly don't like Axel's voice. I, it's not my thing. But for somebody who, who you know, I've, I've watched grow, grow up and, and into Slipknot, into Deftones, into Cold, into... Cold play? No, just into you know, into <laughs> cold chamber, into, cold chamber, into all these bands. Cold. I was I was really shocked that you didn't go with a Deftones or, or Slipknot song. So or, or, or stained, yeah, or stained, I, I, yeah. I definitely thought you were gonna jump in, jump in on one of those type of bands, Joseph, and you not choosing it. Granted, of no. course, we're huge. We are huge. I'm a huge Scott Weiler fan. Joseph's a yeah. huge Scott Weiler fan. He can't do like you said. He could be the crooner. He could sing Christmas song. I buy the fucking album. So we're huge fans of this. I'm a huge fan of this song. I look again. We're we're pulling at straws. You know what I mean? Trying to I'll, trying to come up with an argument why yeah. it doesn't quite is it the best. I, I I tried to to make this as a general populist thing. Velvet Revolver, along with uh, Slither, uh, fall to pieces. Which Slither, like I mentioned, you know, topped the charts. Uh, a couple months later, uh, fall to pieces topped the charts. They had yeah. two in the same year, two number one songs uh, 
for for the month, uh, you know, a couple of months apart. And so I was like, so this band was huge. It was. They were they, they were, were doing it. Can, you know, can I mention can I, can I mention something? Uh, this just suddenly yeah. threw me off. Uh, I saw the Audio Slave, uh, the, a lot of the music videos, and Chris Cornell definitely dresses like a two thousands rocker. Yeah. Right, and the rest of the band kind of follows suit. You know what I mean? And then you watch, you know, Velvet Revolver. And their Slither album, and everybody's kind of following suit. Slash still kind of has an '80s look, but then you see Scott Weiland with like silver leather pants and <laughs> Dude, like all he's... cracked out with no shirt. Like he's like, I don't give a fuck what your style is. Silver leather bell bottom. They give a fuck. He did his own thing, which I love. He was Scott. He was very much a mix of Jim Morrison, David Bowie, and Robert Plant. Well, game two, but uh, what's his name from the Stones? Um, Jagger. 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 Yeah. yeah. You say I, that I, Mick Jagger can dance well. <laughs> he he dances a lot like Mick Jagger. I will say this. But we'll, we'll go on to our, our last selection. Bob, what do you got for us? All right. All right. So I didn't go with a revival super group. Uh, I didn't say I, I kind of left the 90s behind. No, I'll just say there's a lot of really great bands. This is a, a great little section of my life. Yeah, high school years and early college years. One of the genres I really liked was, uh, quote unquote, this post-punk, the Hives, Wolf Mother, the Strokes, and, and the White Stripes. And I, I had to go with the rock anthem of the 2000s. I went with the White Stripes, Seven Nation Army. A great, the best rock song of the 2000s with this iconic opening riff and drum beat that everybody instantly recognizes. It's the kind of... Kind of gives me that Enter Sandman vibes I got in the 90s. You know what I mean? That that beat, that buildup. It's just, it's the most recognized song of the of this decade. And it helped skyrocket the White Stripes and Jack White in particular into, into superstardom. The guitar play, the drums, the the look of the music video. The It's just, it's untouchable. It's hard rock. It's punk. It's bluesy. It's garage. It's 60s revival. It's alternative. It, it's And it's fucking crazy how great. This song is considering there's only two people that are uh, that piece together this band, Jack and Meg White. It's, it's an amazing, it's a fucking amazing two-piece band. And and it's just that 60s and 70s kind of inspired guitar playing that's just my kind of my kind of music, but it had this huge revival in the 2000s and I'm glad because instead of this new metal which a lot of people kind of focus on the early 2000s, we had this kind of a throwback we had this kind of revival and it just it, it was perfect for me it won best uh, rock song of the 2003 grammys well so i mean it was it was uber popular super popular it had that great build-up i know coaches has that amazing opening uh slither had that amazing opening the white stripes seven nation army has that amazing opening that build-up gets everybody fired up i, I love it and, and it wasn't just popular in the u.s and it it became this huge stadium anthem at football games at basketball games at fifa you know soccer games across the world it was huge man it was huge and what's crazy is a lot of these 2000 rock bands kind of fell off the face of the earth you know stain didn't quite you know they made it so far corn kind of fell off the face of the earth for a while and you know this band and this song has kind of i don't want to use the word endured but it's it's lasted in popularity for the past two decades since it came out in 2003. That's almost 20 years that it's that it's been played uh, in stadiums, on radio, in movies. You know, it, it's it's extremely popular song. It's an extremely catchy song. It's the most memorable song. It rocks fucking hard. It is one of the best songs I think of Jack and Jack White and Meg White and the White Stripes. They put out a lot of great songs, but this one I think put them on the map. 
It is the best rock song of the 2000s. The irony is, I think, Bob, I first heard this song at your house um, when we used to hang out in your garage. <laughs> and it's funny because you in, you helped – you didn't introduce me to the White Stripes. I knew who they yeah, were. Yeah. No, yeah. But you helped me to introduce – you helped to introduce me to this song, it's kind of the same way I introduced you to uh, "Shattered Dreams" by Johnny Hates Jazz. So you know, we you kind of paid me back for that, all right? So I mean, it's a great song. I mean, how could you not agree with a stadium packed of white kids at the University of Michigan football game when they all sing it together? I mean, you you have to agree with that. Excuse me. Okay, let me start off by saying Jack White is known as being this enormously talented, eclectic musician. Meg White is known for being an unenthusiastic drummer, lackluster backup vocalist, and for her leaked sex tape. Which, by the way, like the White Stripes, the guy in the video was also doing all the work. Anyway, so (laughs) this song is about the band's rise in popularity and the hassles that came with it. Jack White said, this song is about gossip. It's about me, Meg, and the people uh, we were dating. Uh, The octave effect on the riff making it sound like he was playing the bass no computer effects were used that's not a bass guitar he's playing that's him fucking around and and you know creating a bass like sound so i mean this guy's a a mechanical genius i mean he knows what he's doing a global hit italian soccer fans as you mentioned bob use this as a rallying cry for their 2006 world cup victory pat mcafee a former colts punter used this song at wrestlemania and it was this past WrestleMania, and, and Bob and Joseph, the whole crowd sang along, and they went apeshit. It was awesome. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah it, it's a great jock rock song, but so is Taking Care of Business by Bachman Turner Overdrive. Okay, but okay. <laughs> Timeless. Timeless. <laughs> Sonically, it just buries itself in your mind. I mean, I could hear it right now as, as we mention it. I wasn't a big fan of the song for a while, but re sort of revisiting it, I was like, oh shit, this is a really good fucking song. Um, the, my only knock... There's a song by an 80s punk band called Conflict, and the song is called Mighty and Superior. And Seven Nation Army definitely lifted from this song. Check it out, guys. Conflict, Mighty and Superior. There's no suggestion that Jack White borrowed it, but by, but you have to check out the song. In fairness to the White Stripes, it's pretty basic blue scale, and it's probably been around for centuries. So I'm not going to knock them on that, but it, they do sound a lot alike. And for that reason, the jock rock, or more so Meg White's lack of contributions, I can't say it's the best 2000 song because I do love uh, Fell in Love with a Girl. I think it was a better rock song for the White Stripes, and it was a song that introduced them to the world. I think it would have been a, a better song to argue, but I mean, Seven Nation Army is a song that's going to live on forever so i think a lot of people will agree with you what do you think joseph you cannot deny the the lasting effect of this song mainly because of like the sports element to it yeah yeah the sports element to it uh of course it is a huge song uh in in euro soccer and i mean that's cool i think that's so awesome i I don't think you know when the song was written he ever like I don't think he ever imagined that it would, you know, be such a thing. And I don't think he really cares. I think it's, I mean, yes, you cannot deny that opening. It is a great, I like what you said about the Enter Sandman thing. That was cool. Uh, yes, very recognizable. And you hear that, not a bass line, like you said. You hear that opening guitar rift and you immediately know what's going on. As much as I love this song, I think... Maybe the white stripes are 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 hard. It's maybe hard to pick to say uh, you know one specific song, this particular song, because the white stripes are fucking huge. They they were so 
awesome. I think they're awesome, although they're not together anymore. Jack White in general, I think I, we still, I still follow his career. I think he does some awesome solo stuff. Uh, with the album that this uh, song comes on, White Blood Cells, uh, we the hardest button to button I think is very is similar to Seven Nation Army, and I really like that song too. I think that's an awesome fucking song. To be honest, uh, like Randy said, fell in love with a girl. <laughs> that's like when when you when Rat when Bob talks about like his his love of that that garage rock revival with the bands that he mentioned you think of fell in love with a girl that for this for this band more of the the charge for for, the, for this type of music in the early 2000s in this band in general although i love seven nation army i personally like blue orchid from uh their get behind me satan album that song i think is really fucking awesome so i think the white stripes have so many good songs in this short period of uh, you know from 2000 to 2010 that it's really you know hard to just pin down one and i know this is seven nation army's probably their, their famous but like icky thump god that's another good song, good song. and then and, you know it's it, so it's they did have so many great songs that bob probably could have picked any one of the other songs mentioned to be and still uh, win <laughs> you know so that's my thing on although of course love this song love this band great songs off of different albums all throughout the early 2000s do y'all, do y'all think it's kind of ironic that all three of our picks are were made and they all have like three of the most amazing guitarists that are around at this point in time that's we true. have yeah. We had a uh, Tom Morello. We had Slash, and then Jack White is is no fucking slouch at all playing yeah, that kind no of doubt. bluesy sixties rock. Uh, I think that that was a big um, that was a big thing for and, us, like a big attraction for us to have like this great guitar play and not just like you know playing these like simple you know punk or you know or, or, or just or, or just be or heavy just, metal. Yeah, just being loud for the sake of being loud. Yeah, I mean yeah, there was think, there was texture and technique to all these songs. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think that they they help the bands really, really stand out. And the only reason why, I, like I said, I love love Audio Slave and I love uh, and I love Velvet Revolver. I just think that when I think of two thousands rock, like I think of the White Stripes and I think of this this whole revival being like the one of the greatest things or one of the greatest types of genres of, of rock music that came around at this time. And to add on to what you said, Randy, about Jack White and, and that whole, you know, the opening for, for this song, Seven Nation Army, and, and him doing what he, he needed to do to make it sound like a bass. You spoke to it. You called him, a, a, I believe you referred to him as a, like a, a genius in, in a way. Uh, is that what you said? I, I um, think he is. He also makes furniture, too. So yeah, the guy is multi-talented. Yeah, I, I, if, if for some reason, <laughs> I recommend you go to, to add and to learn more about that genius. Go watch. It might get loud. It might get loud. A great documentary with uh, Jack White, Edge, and yeah. Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. Three guitarists coming together to talk about the music, talk about the guitar, and you see a lot of the things that you know. Jack Jack White talks about what he does with his guitars and, and things like that. I would so love for them to do a second one with like somebody like Slash or, or like and, Tom and Tom Morello and, and, and somebody else in general. Go check Billy that Gibbons. out if you haven't. Yeah, Billy Gibbons. Go ch- go check out check out It Might Get Loud. It's really awesome. And if you if and it, it kind of just adds to what Randy said about the, the about, best part um, Jack White. 
the best part of that documentary is Edge and Jack White. Like they're they go back. They look like teenagers when Jimmy Page starts yes. playing. They're like in <laughs> all like this guy yes. still fucking brings it. Like you that know, was this guy's such a, a yeah. cool part. Yeah. They, they they both sit up in their seats, like move to the edge of their seats, so like watch and pay attention to his little. Jimmy He's playing a whole lot of love. He's yeah, playing a whole, whole, whole lot of love in front of them. And they amazing, both look dude. like Randy said, like fucking kids watching a superhero just in awe watching him play that live in front of them. I think for pure 2000s rock, I think a lot of people are going to agree with Bob on this one because my pick and Joseph's pick, they are they are relics of the 90s. And I mean, even going so far back as to Soundgarden and Guns N' Roses started cutting their teeth in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're looking at like something new, an up and comer, somebody that gets introduced. When we look at the 90s and we look at the 80s, we're always looking at those bands who are young and up and coming. We're looking at established bands with Soundgarden. I mean, I'm sorry, with Audio Slave and Velvet Revolver. So, yes, in, in the pure essence of who became a superstar in the 2000s, that's Jack White. I mean, Meg White, too, but that's Jack White. And and I think that's what a lot of people will say. It, just like Stain did, just like some of these other bands, they're going to say, okay, if I'm looking at the 2000s as a pure rock critic i'm gonna go with the bands that i was introduced to at that era the the musicians i was introduced to yeah i could see that you know so i mean that's i don't hate the pick i think the pick is 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 fabulous and i think a lot of people are going to to agree with bob mostly on this one and i'm okay i'll capitulate i'll say okay you know what audio slave is maybe my personal thing velvet revolvers maybe joseph's personal thing but i think in the popularity sense a lot of people will say well white stripes fucking tore the doors down and we didn't know who the fuck they were yeah, I think I think you just made my argument for me. Shit, dude. Well, thank you, yeah. thank you. I tend to do that at times. I'm very uh, very unbiased on this. On this uh, you know, we got a little time. Why didn't we mention Disturbed? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Disturbed. I just, um, I'm just not a big, I'm just not a big fan. I think it's just they're just not they're not my cup of tea. Let's just say it like that. This is not for me. They don't. They, I don't get the monkey sounds. I don't get the. I just didn't work for me. <laughs> Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't want to have to try to do that voice, so I didn't. Wish. No, but I mean, I I can't. I can't deny. Hey, I I fucking. I listened to Down with the Sickness. I listened to uh, Stupefy. I mean, yeah, I had all those uh, those songs on it. I I, I until they I, sold out and said, "Hello, darkness, my old friend." <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. If I was if I was gonna and just so we know, if I was gonna pick with my heart, I probably one of my favorite albums was released in two thousand four, Ashes of the Wake by Lamb of God. So I could have gone with now you got something to die for. <laughs> Joseph's a good Christian boy listening to Lamb of God. <laughs> what are there any bands and real quick before that you thought, okay, they might be onto something, they might be one of the preeminent bands in the decade and they didn't do uh what you thought they would. I, for me, Godsmack and I think Filter come to my mind as bands. I thought, okay, these bands are going to be really big, and they did. They kind of tailed off. Are there any bands that stick out I, to you? I really liked Queens of the Stone Age, and they kind of had a really badass vibe to it, and they had Dave Grohl playing the drums, you know what I mean, helping on the album. So I thought they were going to be huge, and they kind of kind of tailed off. Probably mention one of the one of the the band that we talked about in the honorable mentions, uh, Default. Yeah, Default yeah. Was, was pretty great. They, they had those two singles, uh, Wasting My Time and Deny. Those were fucking awesome songs, one right after the other. And if as far as that mainstream rock sound, and then, you know, the second album wasn't much. I, I 
believe I bought it, but there wasn't really anything memorable on it. So I think you can say the same thing about like the hives and the strokes and like Wolf Mother. Like they came out their first couple of singles. You're like, these guys are badass. And their second album just didn't quite hit like the first album did. It's crazy how like the black keys and the white stripes, like, you know, propelled themselves. Black keys, I'm sorry. The black keys and the white stripes, you know, kind of propelled themselves and hit another big album and another great album and another great single and kind of like the strokes and the hives kind of like uh, fell behind, you could say. Do you remember that one? Another one like that is the what were they called? The vines. The, I, I was know. just looking the them vines. up. I was yeah, just the looking them up. I forgot that I was. I, I just. I see another in. one. They they the they had two, they had two mother. they had two fairly large hits with uh, get get free, get free yeah. and then ride with me get, too. Yeah. There was a and then I didn't hear any of them after that. Like after yeah. that, I don't even know if they even released the second album or I don't. They, I, I thought that was Nelly. If you want to go and take a ride with me, there was there was a there was a runny joke about the hives and the vine sounding exactly alike, and I think MTV during one of their music awards had them perform like back to back in a sort of montage. <laughs> you know, it, that's back probably like the last MTV music awards where it was like okay, decent legit, to watch, right? Yeah, legit yeah, like one, a legit yeah. music awards. So okay. the hives wore the black shirts with the white ties, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, they yeah, sang yeah. Uh, "Hate to Say I Told You So." Right, yeah, tick, tick, know, boom yeah. was another one. Yeah, that was, that's a great. That was a good song. Um, Jet was a band I did not like. I could not get into Jet. Oh, um, you're gonna be my yeah. girl. Was it that yeah. one? I like that song. Fuck yeah! It's because you're not a fan of old navy jeans. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, but there was a lot of bands hit and miss. Guys, last thoughts on 2000s rock. I I don't think this this decade gets enough credit. And I was, it was a, it was very much uh, a diverse. Um, there was a lot of different genres. We didn't even talk about like the the emo rock music, which we don't want to. But I mean, it was there, <laughs> you know. And and, and 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 Jesus Christ, Creed. I mean, oh God, Jesus oh, Christ, and, Jesus Christ, and Creed. You know, <laughs> it went it went hand in hand, and they were they had so many. Hits, singles, yeah, yeah. We didn't mention Three Doors Down or uh, yeah, I mentioned Crypt- yeah. I, I mentioned Kryptonite. Oh, okay, my I bad. mentioned Kryptonite. I, I think like, we yeah, talked. Yeah, mentioned. we knew Nickelback. We we we, we talked about me. the we talked about that last night. But we were like, I think we've talked enough about Nickelback <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of our lives. I just think like th- there was a lot more to this this decade. Uh, the 2000 to 2010 then people give it credit for uh and i'm i'm happy about it i i look back and at, at great memories you know what's you know what's cool about this decade of music is it brought heavy metal into the mainstream it didn't it didn't quite commercialize it but it definitely brought it into the mainstream like if you were into just hard rock in general now you can get into system of a down you can get into slipknot you know these these type of bands that back if they're in the night in the you know eighties or nineties you know it would be strictly just metalheads but you know a lot more the the fan bases grew tremendously in the early two thousands because of bands like System of a Down and Slipknot and the Deftones and you know these these harder bands that you know you could really get into. You know, at the beginning of the week, I was texting you guys saying that this decade was just, no, not my favorite. Uh, after listening to it uh, for the entire week, it grew on me. It reminded me a lot of good times. It reminded me of a lot of good times being around both of you yeah. and just listening to the live music. <laughs> I think, uh, despite all that, I think that boy bands and, and rap artists like Nelly, 50 Cent, Eminem were coming into prominence at this time. Yep. And that that's what was being pushed. So I think Rock took a back seat for the first time in a long time because remember mtv radio stations they were all built on rock 
And this was the first real decade where we, they said, you know what, rock isn't as important as it, as it used to be. And I think that sort of uh, alters the memory of how these bands weren't as big or things weren't as good as they should have been. But there's some great finds here and, and some great artists and some great artists still making great music. And yeah. I think, you know, you, I think you're right. The, the, the decade is, is really underrated and, and probably better than what I remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. I can't wait to put together like uh, I I don't know if any. I uh, hopefully y'all have, have checked out. Um, we, we've we've posted a, our Spotify playlist. Uh, I can't wait to put this one together. So yeah, it's gonna be a great out. Spotify playlist. Yeah, yeah. And before the closer, I want to tell everybody we are taking a little break because we're taking uh, staggered Fun. vacations. It just so and happened Father's that. Day. Father's Day's <laughs> happening. We're we're taking staggered out of town vacations, so it just so happens that's sort of dominating our next two weeks. So I didn't want to say it in the closer because I didn't want the music to play over it. But we will be back uh, late June. Uh, looks like we're doing best summer music. Uh, uh, best summer best song. Summer song. Best summer song. We'll do <laughs> that. So, girls, baby. So we. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give away your pick now. No, no. To listen. <laughs> I'll edit that out. No. Uh, so we we will be back with that, and we hope you enjoyed us. Uh, you know, throughout the year and a half we've been on, and we we've been getting a lot of supporters. We want you to rank us on on Apple, on Spotify. Please send us an email, leave us a comment, rate us, and we will be back. So everybody, hold on tight. You have a lot of episodes to look back on. So, And this is going to be a long episode. I could already tell by the time right now. So hopefully that'll keep everybody intact for the next couple of weeks. And that's our show, everyone. Listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up and let us know what is your favorite 2000s rock song. Most importantly, let us know what you think about the show. You may reach us at Formidable Opponents and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, on uh, TikTok, on any social media platform by searching for Formidable Opponents. We want to thank uh, Creative Little Pill, who, despite my better judgment, uh, gave us a Fred Durst uh, uh, photo for our <laughs> cover art. <laughs> it's a really great cover art, though. You can't deny that. So we're taking a little break since we will be on vacation, and we'll be back in late June with Best Summer Song. In July, we'll have some special guests, and we're looking forward to some great summer topics and some great topics in music, movies, TV, pop culture, and everything in between. So for Bob and Joseph, this is Randall. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks l-i-m-p biscuit is right here <laughs> all right <partner. laughs> keep on rolling baby <laughs>